Hello and welcome to Euractiv's AgriFood podcast. I'm Gerardo Fortuna. I'm Julia Dam. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Euractiv's AgriFood team. So this week it's just the two of us. You're going to have to uh, go without Natasha because she's not with us. She's been uh, off last week. Last week, uh, what a, what a perfect timing because <laughs> uh, there was a very uh, big week uh, last week um, because it was a ma- major event, uh, which was the unveiling of the EU's pesticide framework. So, uh, Natasha, you missed a lot last week. I'm, I'm kind of imagining when you say EU pesticides framework, like this dun, dun, yeah. dun, and like flashes coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, like, again, there was also like at the Super Bowl, the break with the music. There was uh, really something big, something big, a great press, press conference. There was actually another person who wasn't invited <laughs> at the unveiling of the pesticide framework. Let's start with this. Uh, uh, a bit of a gossip. No, it's not gossip. But uh, um, at the, on the last Wednesday, when there was the presentation of the uh, sustainable use of pesticide regulation proposal by the Commission, uh, on the podium there were uh, Commission Vice Pre- uh, Commission Vice President Franz Timmermans, who's in charge of the implementation of the Green Deal, the Food Safety Commissioner uh, Stella Kiriakides, so the the Commissioner tasked with the uh, pesticide law, basically. And uh, Virginio Sinkevicius, who's the Environment Commissioner, and that's also because together with the pesticide framework, uh, it was presented also the natural restoration targets. Um, so it's something in his, por- in his portfolio. The commissioner who was missing was uh, Janusz Wojciechowski, the Agriculture Commissioner. He wasn't invited. No, no, I wasn't invited. And I can say that he wasn't invited because <laughs> I complained about that on Twitter, saying I understand that uh, pesticide frame, pesticides is in uh, the domain of the DG Sante. So basically the uh, director general uh, headed by Kiriakides. But still, since there was a... A big amendment to the common agricultural policy. We're going to talk about that uh, in a minute. Uh, at least the agriculture commissioner uh, should be should have been there. Yeah, and could have gotten a curtsy invitation at least. Yeah, and he retweeted this tweet. So Janusz uh, Wojciechowski <laughs> retweeted the tweet. So this is. Uh... Do I smell some beef in the commission? Uh, apparently yes. Apparently yes, and. Um... Why again? Why I was saying this? Um, because um, of course we know that uh, it's actually not the first time that uh, Janusz Wojciechowski isn't invited because it happened again when the Farm to Fork strategy. So the general ambition who uh, that, that is behind the whole concept of the uh, new pesticide framework, uh, and then when there was the presentation in 2019, uh, Wojciechowski wasn't there either. So it's not the first time, it's not the first time. Just to um, give you, in case uh, you, you don't know about this uh, important dossier, uh, it's basically um, the proposal of slashing in half the use and risk of chemical pesticides by 2030. 
So uh, it's quite a big uh, and and this level of ambition, who was already which was already enshrined in the European Green Deal, so the the food chapter of the European Green Deal, the Farm to Fork strategy, was confirmed by the Commission, which is actually quite a news because. Um, there have been some food insecurity threats in light of the Ukraine war. Some parties, some groups, some stakeholders uh, are actually lobbying uh, for postponing the implementation of the, the Farm to Fork strategy and in particular uh, this target of the pesticide reduction. By the way, Julia, this is the first, the very first legally binding reduction target announced in the green deal uh oh, yeah it's the first time the green deal actually goes like, yeah 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 with with uh, yeah indeed indeed because even before the organic farming target and, and others that have been presented in in the over the past few years uh they don't have the same level of uh power let's say as you said mm-hmm. uh, hard law uh, and of course so- in the cap as well the common agricultural policy the green deal is not enshrined it's just uh yeah it's basically saying you should also have an eye to that but you're not obliged indeed indeed and and actually this is the perfect mention because i think this is where the problem is because um well you you remember there was this uh discussion about uh uh, scrapping the agricultural policy and presenting a new presenting a new proposal when the commission, uh, the von der Leyen commission started in 2019 because the common agricultural proposal that in the end was voted last year um, and was approved by the lawmakers actually uh, was presented by the previous commission. So the Juncker commission uh, by the, at that time, agricultural commissioner Philip, uh, Phil Hogan. Uh, so... For instance, one of the main aspects, I'd say, it's uh, how to fund to fund this transition. And the Commission is proposing to amend the Common Agricultural Policy for the next five years in order to uh, support the requirements, the pesticide requirements, through the Common Agricultural Policy uh, Fund. Basically, it's it's it's, it's a very complicated uh, aspect. But for instance, they're gonna make the um, uh, IPM, so uh, basically uh, the integrated pest management, obligatory under the uh, because at the moment it's uh, it's only in the voluntary scheme. Uh, so it, it could basically uh, give more money to farmers that want to adopt uh, these practices. Um, and again, as I said, I was complaining about the uh, the fact that Wojciechowski wasn't there because actually no one replied to uh, my questions in, in during the press conference on what it's really uh, the, the, the commission is put forward in terms of amending uh, the common agricultural policy uh, in order to support farmers to uh, get uh, this money, basically. Mm-hmm. That but also, will... I mean, it must be totally complicated to still amend the common agricultural policy now. It's gone through so much. It's in the member states who are drawing up, who've, who've uh, already in... submitted their strategic plans. It's... Indeed, indeed, because uh, I asked the same question to Timmermans, um, who wasn't particularly happy about the question and i basically said uh, as you as you was referring you were referring to 
the common the common agriculture policy strategic plans are currently under negotiation uh, there's a back and forth between the commission it already started uh, we remember that the, um, uh, basically the commission replied to all the countries that submitted the first draft of the strategic plans and then you basically introduce uh, a new not a new requirement but actually a new possibility no uh, and uh, Timmermans uh, replied uh, by saying, eh, but it's not something that they didn't, that member state didn't see coming, uh, which is, uh, I don't think it's particularly, uh, it's not a strong reply because, uh, again, uh, I mean, it's about targets, no? So putting the threshold that uh, 50%, 35%, 40%, 45% change a lot the uh, the requirement itself and it could basically give an incentive to uh, member state to do more, no? So it's still not particularly clear. I had, some, I had several exchanges with uh, people from the commission and they... They're not super, <laughs> super informed either. Uh, but so we're going to come back to this issue probably this week because uh, I'm still planning to um, write an article to explain uh, better what this amendment uh, will, will entail. But the l- last thing on the pesticide framework is on what's actually the real target because as as i said the 30 the 35% target of uh, uh, reducing pesticide use and risk it's it's basically eu wide so it's a gen, an overall target at the eu level it's binding but it's at eu level and in the end member states will be asked to set their own national reduction targets within defined parameters which means that there are also some derogations which was on a specific request coming from member states who were quite uh, concerned about uh, the application of these uh, uh, targets. So in the end, the member states got the flexibility that uh, required in the consultation phase with the commission. And uh, there would be a floor. So basically, derogation can, can uh, derogation to the 50% uh, general target can go below 35% at national level, but even to um, go below f- 50% uh, will require some, uh, uh, I mean, basically that member states uh, did their, uh, their job to reduce the pesticide reduction before before this uh, um, before uh, the presentation of this proposal, so uh, as the commissioner commission official say, said, if members they want to move away from 50 percent, then they have to have very clear justification, and they introduced uh, basically two main requirements. One is the historical progress in reducing pesticides, and the other one is in the intensity. So the intensity parameter is basically uh, checking um, the pesticide application in kilograms per hectare of agricultural areas. Uh, so basically, member state whose uh, use of pesticide is more intensive will have to do more, and they cannot ask uh, for a lot of uh, justification. 
So this is, um, there's actually, there's something uh, announced on the sidelines of the Pesida framework unveiling, uh, by the way, Julia. And it's um, a new report that the commission is expected to deliver in the coming months on food security. So, uh, yeah. yeah, the commission... So we're going to get another one after the uh, food security communication that they already had a couple of months yeah. ago, I think, Bernard. That's uh, you have, uh, a great, uh, an elephant memory, Julia. Yeah, indeed. That communication on food security, of course, was uh, triggered by the Ukraine war, but there was another uh, kind of study uh, last year that was included in the Farm to Force strategy. So basically, um, this kind of initiative from the Commission are uh, intended to uh, appease a bit uh, the the side uh, pushing for postponement and so on. So it's the fine. Com- We're still going to have food, even though we have pesticides. It's going to be okay. <laughs> in the- in the, it's a bit to, to reassure, reassure. And in this case, uh, was Timmermans himself announcing this uh, study. Uh, he basically said that the aim of the study will be to dig a bit deeper and analyze what are the real problems underlying the shortages uh, that uh, the EU could have and also the real long-term solution for a productive and sustainable farming community. Um the point that Timmermans also said that a certain, um, you know, when, when he was um, uh, announcing this uh, study, that if this study will show that the EU needs to uh, basically take a step back on certain provision, they're going to do it. So, uh, again, it's still in the, <laughs> in the you know, reassurance to, to member states. Food security, it's still a big topic, Julia, not only at the EU level. Indeed, indeed. Also in Germany this week, um, we had a lot of food security going on on leaders' agendas. Uh, As you might have heard of, there was the G7 summit, so um, of state leaders coming, G7 state leaders coming together in the German town of Elmau, where there is a nice castle where they met. And is this uh, in, uh, what is it in, in oh Bavaria. my god, don't ask me. I think it's, Bavaria. it's somewhere I mean, in southern Schloss, Germany. It, if it's a castle, it's I want to say it's either Bavaria or um, Baden Württemberg, so but somewhere in the somewhere, in I'm, I'm, exp- I'm exposing uh, you. Uh oh, yeah. my Germany knowledge is uh, at its limits. Bavarian Alps, okay. Bav- Bavarian Alps, yeah, it's uh, hmm. Schloss Elmau. So yeah, so imagine uh, very like a yeah a, a, a castle and a sleepy town and leaders are meeting to discuss among other things food security um, and specifically global food security in the face of this um, blockage. There's uh, a nice spa in uh, Elma or Julia. I'm, I'm still nice googling. Spa. Yeah, spa retreat, Katra uh, Highway. Yeah, I think we uh, can uh, we can get money for mentioning it here. Why, why we're not there? <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. So sorry, Julia. Go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna close the tab with the Shoselmau <laughs> info. Okay, get the uh, Alps pictures out of your head. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Serene mountains. I'm going to come back to hard facts and uh, serious problems now. Serious, yeah. very serious problem indeed. The serious problem we're talking about is that uh, Russia is blocking Ukrainian ports, uh, as you will have heard of by now, and Ukraine can't export its grain or most of its grain. And this is contributing to a severe food crisis um, globally, especially in very import dependent countries. And this was on the agenda of the G7 meeting. But of course, the G7, it's very high level. So it was actually prepared by a meeting that was held in Berlin on Friday. And this also shows kind of the importance of the topic on the agenda, because the meeting was actually chaired by three German ministers, um, Agriculture Minister Jem Estemir, Foreign Minister Annalena Baerbock, and Development Minister Svenja Schulze. And they all gave a press conference Friday morning all together. They chaired this meeting together. So there were th basically three ministers coming together to talk food security, with um, 40 delegations who were in Berlin and a fifth total of 50 delegations also coming in online so quite a big um we finally made it julia we we managed to get visibility to food security because absolutely. it's clearly it's clearly because of our coverage you know yeah we found like thank us we finally yeah, uh, brought yeah. some light to it yeah um, absolutely absolutely I, you know that actually <laughs> Um, together with the food security, it's, it, the, the moment of praise of uh, your active uh, agri-food team <laughs> in the in the um, the commission released uh, together with the pesticide uh, framework. Uh, uh, also, it's more like a memo from the Joint Research Center on all the publication on food security, on whole, uh, highlighting all the problems. And there are three articles from your active, actually. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, three it's in a commission document. One, is, it's from our uh, colleague, uh, the newcomer, actually, uh, Jaroslava Bukta, uh, and it was a very good article she wrote about the solidarity lanes, yeah. So this proposal of the of uh, the commission to bring, uh, as you were saying, um, the blocked grain um, in Poland, uh, Romania, and other parts of the EU through railways, and uh, yeah, yeah, that was a. Uh, it's not. I mean, uh, we're saying this because it's true, no. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> we really no. I'm joking, of course. Uh, yeah, sorry, Julia, go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically, as I said, all the, these three ministers gave a press conference ahead of the meeting on Friday. And well, for one, there was a lot of strong, kind of strong quotes. Foreign minister said that Putin deliberately uses hunger as a weapon in this war and thus takes the whole world hostage. Um, but what I also found interesting is that, especially um, the agriculture minister, Jem Estemir, who was in Ukraine recently mm. and was looking at the situation, uh, basically was saying we should prepare for a situation where these alternative uh, routes, um, including these solidarity lanes we're just talking about, um, become kind of permanent because we can't count on um, Ukrainian ports to be unblocked uh, soon, or we can't count. Basically, what he said is we shouldn't count on Putin's uh, assurances that he would grant safe passage to grain vessels or anything like that. So basically, we have to live with the fact that the ports are blocked for now. And also... Realpolitik, uh, basically. Yeah, exactly. And then also he said, if we strengthen these alternative routes now, um, 
it's also good for Ukraine in the long term because it'll be less um, susceptible to blackmail, like Putin's basically blackmailing it now by saying, uh, well, if you demine your port, you can export your grain. But of course, if they demine their port, he's going he's gonna to attack. So he's saying that by establishing long term these alternative routes, Ukraine will also be more resilient and less susceptible to blackmail like that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's also, I mean, it's something they're all working on uh, quite actively. Uh, there's the news that uh, Hungary is actually ready to allow through its territory any food cargo for the export from Ukraine. Uh, it was um, it was a news uh, uh, came uh, last Monday, and uh, in the very same day, the foreign affairs ministers in uh, Luxembourg. We're discussing about the even the UN United Nations attempt to uh, again kind of uh, escort uh, the cargo shipments from Ukraine, but it's a very complicated uh, uh, issue and uh, very complicated negotiations because uh, they're gonna involve, of course, uh, the UN, Turkey. The UK, Europe, Russia, of course, and Ukraine. So at the moment, it's a bit complicated. And there also, there also um, another uh, Polish Baltic Sea uh, in a country that I can't pronounce. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's another uh, seaport that can process to 200, 300,000 tons of cargo yearly. Uh, so it's a, it's a good potential. Again, it's still not a lot considering the huge amount of uh, uh, export of grain, in particular from Ukraine. Like before the war, it was, uh, uh, I think, 5 million tons um, monthly. Uh, so it's really, really a lot. And, uh, and there are also several other suggestions uh they can basically uh the ukraine uh, transport ministry is considering reaching bratislava by river uh with the, with the Dan- danube and uh, and also reaching constanta in romania so it's um actually there was a mission of meps uh last week uh, meps in the agriculture committee uh, led by the president of the the chair of the agriculture committee at the European Parliament, Norbert Linz, and they, and it was a fact uh, uh, fact finding uh, mission uh, at the Polish border. Uh, so they basically uh, checked uh, how the situation with the with basically uh, how this grain uh, could actually arrive in Poland and then. Uh, reach other the, the Baltic seaports uh, of both Pol- Poland and Lithuania, for instance, but also Romania, but also even Germany, yeah? because I mean the uh, the main ambition is to reach uh, Hamburg, but also Antwerp, so basically ma- major uh, European ports. And um, last thing, yeah, I strongly suggest to check. An article again by Jaroslava Bukta, our uh, uh, journalist, uh, new agriculture journalist, because she published uh, an article last Monday on the uh, initiative, the proposal from the Ukrainian government 
to uh, create an organization of exporter or grain exporter, uh, which recalled a bit the OPEC, so basically the oil cartel. Of course, the Ukrainian government uh, strongly uh, rejected this, uh, this comparison, but it's really similar <laughs> to, to the OPEC. There, there are also quotas. There are also discussion between uh, uh, major grain exporters, which is really <laughs> in a bit to influence prices, uh, but also in a bit to influence the blackmailing of Russia. But there are all the uh, information in uh, in uh, this very good article that I strongly suggest uh, to read. So for this week's Flavor of the Week, um, again, after last week's tasting, live tasting, we have something that we did actually taste ourselves. Even I, if I, li- I like there. this new trend, Julia. Uh, I like it too. I think we should continue down that road of us uh, trying stuff, eating stuff, drinking stuff. I actually already scheduled another another visit for next week. <laughs> but unfortunately, you, you won't be there, Julia. Because you're in. Uh, That's like Berlin. the worst, uh, the worst option for me. You guys eating something, and I don't get to. I know, I know. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. A, I'm sorry. The week after next, I'm gonna eat like uh, currywurst in Berlin. Yeah, currywurst, currywurst. Why not? Why not? Uh, actually, I mean, every time there's an episode where Natasha is not present, in the end, it's always present because <laughs> she was there together with us in uh, tasting this product. Uh, which is drum rolled. Drum roll, mango. Mango, mango, particularly mango from India. Um, and uh, we're gonna listen now because actually we interview uh, an expert, um, an expert of uh, mango in India. But basically, India. I don't. I don't know if you knew it, uh, Julia, but India ranks as the second largest producer of fruits and vegetables in the world, and uh, in particular is a big producer of mangoes. And we basically saw and tasted several varieties, like really a lot. Yeah, Uh, like six or seven, I think. Six or seven with uh, completely different taste. And it's also a topic uh, that uh, is going to be discussed in the... Because last week also, the talks for um, EU-India free trade agreement formally started. So uh, this... Because, I mean, the Indian mango and in general, the India uh, fruit production and foodstuff production is covered by a very solid system of geographical indications. And we know that geographical indications are one of the uh, main bone of contention, but also a way to find uh, an overall agreement when there are uh, trade talks between the EU, the EU, which also has a very solid uh, geographical indication system, uh, the EU and other trade partners. So uh, let's hear more about uh, mangoes and uh, geographical indication from India on mangoes. 
I'm Dr. Smita Sirohi. I'm working as advisor, agriculture and marine products uh, here in the embassy of uh, India to Belgium, Luxembourg and the EU. So I'm looking after all the policy matters related to agriculture's uh, SPS uh, measures with the EU and also trade promotion activities uh, here. So we're here today to taste the mangoes. Perhaps you could talk a little bit about mangoes and its importance um, in India. Yeah, mangoes is almost like a national fruit in India. As we said, it is the king of fruits. And we have more than 1,000 varieties of uh, mangoes in our country. 12 of these varieties are also geographically indicated. Uh, in fact, the mango, the taste, the uh, aroma, the taste, everything uh, varies according to the uh, soil conditions of the country. And since you know India is a very diverse country, uh, the taste varies. So here we are presenting with you, as you can see, uh, from the eastern part of our country, from north and from south, all from all parts of the country, we bring in mangoes to you. So it's very rich uh, in terms of uh, in the fiber content also, it's very rich and it has some of uh, very good properties uh, in terms of vitamins, rich in vitamins, rich in certain other uh, minerals. So this is what our mango is all about. And uh, we've seen that all of this mango, got ge this geographic indication, your own geographic indication, uh, just to know if this uh, aspect of geographic indication is actually helping uh, Indian produce in export or in, uh, in uh, if it has an added value to, the, to selling this product. Yeah, it has an added value as far as exports are concerned, but then you know that in certain countries they do not recognize the GI which is given to an in another country. Uh, but uh, we also, the prerequisite for getting a GI in an international country is that you should have a GI in your own country. And so in that context, since we have also already uh, GI tagged our 12 varieties of mangoes, now we look forward to getting similar kind of GIs in the international market. And this is going to give us a special uh, privilege in terms of the exports which we are doing. No copyright, no uh, copying from any part. Any case, uh, most of our competitors are from Latin American countries. The varieties which are available there are absolutely different from the varieties and the tastes which India has to offer. And this is going to be one of the main uh, um, things that are going, to, are going to be discussed during the talks with the EU for the FTA, this geographical uh, Geographical, as you are aware that uh, in the EU FTA, there are three tracks which are going on parallelly. One is, of course, on the negotiations on goods, another one is the investment treaty, and another, the third one is the geographical indications. So this uh, definitely will be a part of geographical indications. Uh, we have uh, offensive interests in geographical indications as much as EU has in our own country. So uh, there's a long list of, besides mangoes, there's a long list of other food products which are GI tagged in India, for which we would really like to have a GI in EU also. And that's all from us this week. Uh, this week, the AgriFood podcast is produced by Euractiv's AgriFood team, Gerardo Fortuna and Julia Dam, with the technical support of Evi Chiori. This podcast is also available on all major streaming platforms, including Apple, Amazon, Stitcher and Spotify. Be sure to subscribe to your newsletter so you don't miss the latest agriculture news from the EU. I'm Julia Dam. Thanks for listening and see you next week.